TSL. This is the Satin Lounge, where we celebrate diversity, inequality, and creative expression. Tonight, our guest joining us for Pillow Talk was born creative. Her family is blessed with an abundance of writers and entertainers. In several mediums, is she multi-talented? And we're going to explore those tonight. An author, a doll maker, designer, professor, and she's one of Atlanta's best-known performance poets. Satin Lounge, please help me welcome the Teresa Davis. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you for being with us tonight. (laughs) I'm very excited. (laughs) You're a busy lady, and I'm so glad that you took some time. I appreciate your energy, and I I cannot wait for them to get to know a little bit more about you. Excellent. Uh, (laughs) Can you describe for us what it was like growing up uh, around such creativity, both your mother and father nurturing you creatively? Uh, Well, you know... um my parents both being, you know, very active in community uh, issues and just social issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father was a Black Panther. Wow. Uh, my mother, uh, a community organizer. So coming up, you know, in the family, I was always the child who was given a poem to memorize, to recite at the protest rally. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> wow. The, the event. Uh-huh. Um, and so coming into poetry, I kind of resisted it a little bit because, you know, they were so fabulous and... and mm-hmm so good at what they did, I felt like that would probably not be the place for me. So I resisted poetry uh-huh. for a very long time. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you know, when my when my father passed away 10 years ago, he, uh, the week before he died, he had this conversation with me uh-huh. where um, basically he called me out on um, all the things that I wasn't doing. Like, I wasn't using my art. I wasn't using my voice. Wow. I was trying to disappear. And he reminded me that he could see me and all that. Wow. And that I needed to get get it together. And then, you know, a week later, he had a stroke, and and everything that he said to me in that conversation kind of came, like, flooding at me in my face. Wow. And then, you know, a couple of days after his memorial service, and and I took back my life. You know, I kind of mm-hmm. stepped away from all the things that, you know, were, were not making me a whole person. I was married to a man at the time, and, mm-hmm. you know, um, knowing that my heart was kind of, born in two different places you know i love this guy as a friend and everything and we had mm-hmm. the family together but mm-hmm. i was really attracted to women okay <laughs> and um one of the things my father said is you know love who you want to love wow you know, stop loving you know for convenience or for complacency or for comfort or whatever you're doing mm-hmm. because you're not happy and i wasn't mm. um so i kind of my whole life just kind of like changed <laughs> within like a month mm-hmm. and um, and then I, I, the first project that I ever did with my, my mom, she wanted to um, do a program, uh, something for him to, to, to do it like a tribute. And we, we formed a group called Modasso, mm. Mother, Daughter, Son. My brother's also um, a spoken word artist. And right, I was uh, reading One man that. shows. Yeah. And, and, you know, now he's the commissioner of juvenile justice for the entire state of Kentucky. Wow. Um, and he still manages to do his one-man shows and his poetry. And and so we created this group called Madasso. And at the time, I only had four of my own poems, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and so I did a lot of covers of his poems, my father's poems, okay. and covers of my mother's poems. 
after that, it was just like this light bulb went off in my head, and I was like, okay, I need to be writing, and I need to, you know, share my words and, you know, mm -hmm. own my voice again. So through some of your um, pieces that you have documented, actually, she's speaking of Madasa, which is the group that she formulated with her mother and her brother, and it's beautiful that you have the encouragement of your father to pursue your uh, your abilities. Um, right. And you're even covering some of his his poems. I love how you documented the feelings or the conversation that you had with him before he passed uh, in in that piece. Uh, what was it called? Uh, Why I Do This? Yeah. Well, I thought it was so brilliant. It took us on a journey. I'm going to share that with you in just a few minutes, uh, Satin Lounge. It took us on a journey of charting your path or rebirth. Uh, maybe that's a better word for it, a rebirth of, of yeah. yourself. And it's incredible that you still have some of his pieces. Um, can you remember any of the poems that he wrote? Like, could you share uh, just a snippet or something of one of your favorite pieces your father wrote? Oh, wow. Do you well, have language restrictions? <laughs> no, I do not. No, this is the satin lounge. We are very authentic here. <laughs> Can't be real, <laughs> right? One of my my one of my dad's uh, favorite uh, my favorite poems of his, and it, and it's uh, so funny because a lot, but my mom and dad have a book called What Price Freedom, What Price Life. Mm. And it came out in 1976, little chapbook. Wow! And so many of the poems are still relevant, which kind of makes me sad on a on a whole nother level mm -hmm. that we're still talking about the same things and we're still having the same issues. Yes. But um, he has a poem called Enough Said. And the first line of the poem is, rectums are proclaiming that we are our own worst enemies. And I just think that that's brilliant. <laughs> way to call someone an asshole. Right. Say, Best way know? I've ever heard it said. That is beautiful. You have said it. Right? You have so, said it. Uh, Enough said it. He could, have, he could have dropped the mic and walked off the stage at that point. Know, right? <laughs> it's sexual chocolate. Right? Sexual Thank you all for coming out. Good night. God bless yeah, you. Yeah, so, I mean, he was, like, his stuff was, was pretty... Pretty, pretty there. Well, you know, I don't have the book close to me so I can no. recite it word for word. I know but you are as much pride as you have about your father. I know he's just as proud as uh, proud of you. Uh, Satin Lounge, Teresa is a self-published author. She has five collections of poetry to date and is working on a sixth that we'll talk about called Simon Says here shortly. Um, I love your energy. And how you, uh, how much you put inside of your creativity with poetry and your skill set, and um, what's the difference between a poet and a slam poet? I actually don't think that there's a difference in the fact that they're both poets. Mm -hmm. The 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 only difference, you know, slam poets, um, which I am one, mm -hmm. and um, we do this thing where we allow random people to actually grade our work which is kind of ludicrous but <laughs> it's a competitive it's competitive poetry so mm -hmm. you know you, you do your poem five random people decide whether your heartfelt emotion and experience is worthy of a zero or a ten okay and the high score low score drop the ones in the middle of your average and it sounds kind of brutal like I'm, I'm very competitive i like it uh -huh. but i understand on the other hand it's still kind of crazy to me that i'm yeah. allowing other people to grade you know mm -hmm. what i do but because i can put it in its place as far as right this is a competition this is kind of a game that i'm playing right um yeah and competition and, and has its place because sometimes it opens opportunities it for scholarships and, and different things in the long run for other people. 
Yeah. yeah I mean, and, it, and it also and it also challenges the poet, I think, mm-hmm. to try to create a piece that everyone can connect to. So, you know, whether or not you know who these five people are, whether or not they've ever heard poetry ever, mm-hmm. um, regardless of what kind of day they've had, you know, to write a poem where you can kind of get everybody on the same page for a minute. Yes. So that's always been my goal. And, right. you know, in the last couple of slams I've done, I've been very pleased at being able to present the type of work that connects the entire audience. And I know that they're connected because they're reciting lines of my poem yeah. after that. Well, you're, you you're, know, it, you've it, it placed with them. You've placed in several of those competitions and won several of them. You. You're, like I said, legendary in this. People go and check out Teresa Davis. They sit down and learn (laughs) when you get up to the mic. I'm so fascinated by the craft of poetry. Poetry turns me on for one thing. It's something that I love to do. And it's something that I love to hear more authentically is the stories that deal with sexuality and uh, intimacy. Why would a poet prefer to perform their pieces instead of you know just having others simply read it in a collection of of poems such as you have the five or six that you've already created why would they want to get up and perform it for other people well you know the first really sad thing in the world is like people don't read as Mm -hmm. much as they used to wow um all the people that i know who collect poetry books are poets you know Mm -hmm. um and i think that you know when you're in front of an audience and and you're able to to speak your, your, your poem or your truth mm-hmm. and find out where you connect with the people in the audience that it may spark that, well, maybe I'm, I want to go and read some poems now or maybe I want to do my own yeah. poem. I think everybody's a poet. Okay. But not everybody has the words or not everybody has... The skill set, maybe? Or everybody has the, the courage to get up and mm-hmm. pretty much fillet themselves on stage for... Mm-hmm. random strangers mm-hmm. um but in that you know i find where our stories meet so why is poetry so important to you why why is this medium so important to you um a lot of the importance you know truly just being able to you know um share your emotions mm-hmm. connect with other people but also you know it, it, it kind of all this, this stuff still kind of goes back to not being invisible Mm-hmm. Um, and, I understand and, that. Mm-hmm. And understanding that, you know, I, I am pretty good at what I do as far as... You're great you know, at what you do. What are you poetry. talking about? <laughs> when, when you are brought up by people who their mission is to serve a community, mm-hmm. as a poet, that's what I do. I serve a community mm-hmm. uh, of people. So it's kind of my job to to share my stories, find out where our stories meet. Mm-hmm so that I can continue to do that. It fulfills me in a way to where I know that regardless of, you know, race, religion, gender, whatever, mm-hmm. sex orientation, mm-hmm. we are all human at base and it, and it allows me to connect with my fellow humans in a way yes. that not everybody can do. So right. I, feel, I feel unique in that, in, that, in that space where I'm able to do this thing, you're able to connect with me, we are able to have a conversation afterwards. And, 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 and the conversation continues, you know? Yes. Um, yes. So it's very important for me to own my voice and to be able to share my voice with as many people who can, you know, stomach hearing me, you know? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, say, I say all the time that music is a universal language. 
I think poetry yeah. is too, because I think music is poetry in motion most of the time. Oh, yeah. And um, I think it is a thing that brings us all together, our words and, and sounds. And, um, you know, I think everyone can relate to that kind of energy no matter where they are as all the different uh, diverse places that we live. Um, and yeah. I think it's very important to have that kind of platform to be able to say the words that I think the more personal the story, the more um, relatable it is universally right. to everyone. And I think yeah. it's so brave for a person to get up and do a, a piece that authentic yeah. and, in front and, of people. And also that whole idea of being able to be very genuine mm-hmm. in why you're doing what you're doing. Because mm-hmm. I think people can, and I mean, the world that we're living in now, there's so much disgenuine out there. Yes. And I think that when you are doing work from your heart, you're allowing yourself to be vulnerable. You're allowing people to come into your life. Mm-hmm then, you know, maybe that's going to soften us up to the point where we can get into each other's life and not be so afraid. Yes. You know, um, of our power, of our voices. Of our differences. Of our stories. Yes. sad or mm-hmm. great or whatever, but we all need to hear that, you know? Um, we have to take a break, but when we come back, I'd like to discuss your upcoming projects, including Simon Says, and I'd like to uh, share right now one of your pieces with the Satin Lounge. This one... Uh, is that we mentioned earlier is called Why Do I Do This? It's by our special guest for Pillow Talk, Teresa Davis. Stay with us. You're listening to The Satin Lounge with Kia Renee. Why do I do this? I have to stop. Consider my answer. I'm not one to run away from hard questions when asked directly. There was a time when no one asked. And back then, I was sitting on the edge of my existence, waiting for anyone to ask me anything like, why I do this? Once upon a time, I buried myself in nearly 300 pounds of flesh, closed my ears to art, my heart to compassion, settled myself in complacency and automaton. I walked through my life functional. I rocked my jobs, the extra pounds. They gave my children, my students, more to hug. I did my duties. I cooked the meals, did the homework, read the stories, played Tooth Fairy and Santa, then tucked three parts of myself into bed at night and in the dark. I cried, fetal position, tears. I did this for years. No one asked, why do you do this? I take that back. My father, he once asked me a question, something innocuous like so, how you doing? My response would shrug of shoulder, elicited a storm in the form of words so palpable that today they still burn the roof of my mouth. Teresa, why are you doing this? Your mother and I, we taught you better than this. Love who you want to love. Live your goddamn life and stop trying to disappear. Don't you know I can see you? This Rasta prophet redemption songed me, challenged me to take back my life, pick up a pen and write his final words to me and to make sure I understood. A week later, a massive stroke split his brain in three parts. 14 grandchildren lost their foothold on the universe. Six children lost their focus. A mother lost her soulmate and for penance. 
for my deliverance. I was forced goddess in the face of losing the one man in my life. I knew without a doubt, I knew he loved me. Teresa, what do we do? Being the oldest never felt so responsible. He's not here. He wouldn't like this. Take him off the machine forever changed I am. Why do I do this? Within three months of his passing, I burst from a cocoon half my size because I stopped letting 150 pounds of guilt ride my back. I took up the company of parchment, decided I'd let my words flow ink over any who would hear them, and I vowed that I would never again get caught up in previous investment traps that were not in my interest. So I stand on stages, my voice and a mic to remind myself to never try to disappear again because he, he can see me. Can you see me? And that's why I do this. Hi, this is Teresa Davis and you are listening to the best of the Satin Lounge with Kieran A. Never saw you coming. Okay, well, until you did. You're listening to The Satin Lounge with Kira A, a platform where we celebrate the creativity of the LGBT community and equality in romantic and creative expression. And we're back tonight with our Pillow Talk guest, author, and spoken word artist, Teresa Davis. Welcome back. Thank you. I love your piece because she thinks she's going to hell. That is a powerful, yeah. powerful piece, and it's something that actually was relatable to me in, in my life at one point. Did you ever go through any of that kind of struggle? Uh, well, you know, I, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah. I uh, there was a, I, I wrote that. Uh, there was a summer when I broke out in a rash of straight women. I have no idea what happened with that. Well, but, you uh, know, you know, you know. Yeah, you know. And you then, know. And then you would have these, like, moments. And then later I would get these long emails about how they corrupted me. And, uh-huh. oh, my God, we're going to hell. Yes. Oh, my God, this, this, this. And then and I was like, for real? Yeah. I thought we were grown-ups. And I explained the rules. <laughs> I, I was really clear. <laughs> you know? And I don't think I'm corruptible like that. I'm right. just saying. Right. I think, I think that's the worst rap we get is that we turned you out. I mean, you... Mm-hmm knew you were coming over here to begin with. What are you doing? It's not my fault. And I always say, if you're going to cross the street, cross and commit it. <laughs> <laughs> or just stand on the other side and wave, baby. You can wink and, and wave. wave baby. Yeah, wave. wink and wave. wave. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, I wanted to know about Modasso. Modasso. Yeah. That's the group you formed with your um, your mother, your brother. Um, yeah. I'm assuming that some of the pieces that you created were still uh, dealing with sexuality and religion and etc. Uh, how yeah. did your How did your family deal with your dynamic? How did you bridge the dynamic of those kinds of pieces? In your it work? was really interesting. You know, when I came out, um, I thought it was going to be just like big old traumatic thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, in the black community, I know yes. homophobia can be pretty pretty prevalent, even yeah. in the most 
open-minded of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was really, really nervous. So, you know, I talked to my kids first. Mm-hmm. My son was so young. He was like, whatever, do I get toys? <laughs> um, <laughs> my older girls, <laughs> you know, they, they, they were like, oh, okay, well, this will be different. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my mother was kind of like, oh, well, maybe it's a phase. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my brother and sister were like, well, yeah, like, duh. Uh-huh. We just couldn't figure out why you kept getting married. <laughs> So I was like, oh, okay. So okay. everybody kind of knew. Yeah, yeah. Everybody usually knows before we do. Mm-hmm. So no, it was it was it was pretty cool. And and you know, um, I think now that you know, uh, my mother and I uh, perform in a lot of same spaces, and she's clear that this is clearly not a phase. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, but clearly not a phase. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I mean, she she respects my work. She respects me as an artist, mm-hmm. as a mother, and her daughter, and. You know, I think when people see us together, they, they get that. Um, and, you know, she, she proudly calls herself an ally, which is, you know, mm-hmm. speaks to my heart in so many levels. Right, and, right. You know, um, my son and I, you know, um, for a while there, I had to, like, I came out, you know, every couple of weeks. Okay. And every couple of months. Do I get more toys, Mommy? Okay. <laughs> no, well, now we're at the point where he's like, you know, so, Mom, you still like girls? And I'm like, yeah, you? He's like, yeah. We're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's 12. Beautiful yeah. that you ha- your experience has been so supportive from your father to the rest of your family. I- I'm so happy to hear that kind of an outcome for you to find your truth. Yeah. I was reading about you you know, in different mediums. Can you tell us about Ebony Angels and, and mental notes? Ebony Angels uh, is a line of, of dolls that I used to make. And I actually, I also used to make dready bears. So Ebony yeah. Angels were these um, cloth handmade dolls with uh-huh. hand-painted faces and, you know, stitch-in hair or sewn-in hair uh-huh. um, that had wings that were detachable. I, was, I guess I was, a, I, I was a project mom for a minute and Someone gave me a, a sewing machine, and I started making these dolls as in, in, in a way to try to make some extra money mm-hmm. um, so that I could, you know, continue to do the things for my kids that I had to do. Right. Um, so I, I made, I, I created a, a, a label called African Starline, mm-hmm. which was uh, children's clothing. So you went from sewing you know? clothing for dolls to sewing clothes for making kids Yeah, clothes. I, did, I did it children's all at the same clothes. time. I had dolls. I had, when my when my daughters went went through potty training, uh-huh. the whole idea of dipping them in and out of stuff mm-hmm. was driving me crazy. So I created these pants that were kind of like the workout pants with the Velcro around the waist, uh-huh. so they could get out easy. Yeah, they were like done in like pinks and you know, right. uh, Little Mermaid, uh, Kente cloth, yeah. or, you know, whatever they liked at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, so I would I would do children's clothing. I did the Ebony Angel dolls. I did the Dready Bears. Mm-hmm. Um, these teddy bears with dreadlocks. They were awesome. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to see that in my mind. <laughs> oh, they were awesome. They were so awesome. Wow. You have to send me one of those, Teresa. I need to see what that looks like. <laughs> well, you're still my idea. Because I was like, I was so young doing this. It was like, oh, I should probably be doing a whole that lot of things. That is cool. Stuff. And then the mental notes are handcrafted journals. And I still make journals uh, for people. And mm-hmm. I do visual art. Um, yeah. I'm a collagist. And I do shadow boxes mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, bookmarks and cards. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm very artsy crafty. You I know, um, We can see that. And I, I, just, I just love, I have to be busy. I have to keep doing stuff, you know, because I have a yes. propensity to get in trouble. 
Uh-oh. Um, so uh, keep Teresa busy. Uh-huh. Keep Teresa world. busy. If you're just joining <laughs> us right now, we're speaking with the multi-talented, as you can tell, Teresa Davis, <laughs> who is joining us for Pillow Talk. Um, I want to talk about this sixth book of poems that you have. Uh, it's called Simon Says. It was released in uh, July. Okay. And actually, I have a new project that is actually being released in May. Well, what's coming uh, I up got in picked May? up by Sibling Rivalry Press, mm-hmm. and um, they publish everybody, but they champion LGBTQ writers. Okay. And I'm the first slam poet that they have um, published. Wow. Uh, my book, After This We Go Dark, comes out in May. I think the pre-orders are actually up now uh, at SiblingRivalryPress.com. Okay, and, Sibling Rivalry. Uh, it's going to be available at Amazon and all these other places as well. Okay. It comes out in May officially. Okay. Well, congratulations yeah. to you. That's wonderful. Thank you. Uh, after this, we go dark. Coming out in May. Simon uh, Says came out in July. It's a book. I was a classroom teacher for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Simon Says is a book about uh, poems about teaching and anti-bullying things. Mm-hmm. What age group did you it, teach? I taught kindergarten through fourth. Somehow I skipped fifth grade. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. And then I was a sixth and seventh grade middle school age teacher Mm -hmm. for the last 10 years of my teaching. And being a slam poet and working in a classroom full Mm -hmm. of random, I Mm -hmm. think this is why slam speaks to me because middle schoolers are so random. Yeah. Um, So (laughs) random. Yeah. And, you know, (laughs) you know, it's so funny because, you know, I'm part pirate when I dress, you know, it's very obvious that I like ruffles, I like velvet, I like... You did not just say pirate. (laughs) <laughs> My just... hair is shiny. I could, I could, I call myself part pirate. You know, um, oh, I love that. And when adults see me, they are sometimes intimidated. And when I work with kids, because I work with a lot of kids, uh-huh. um, you know, they'll they'll say things to me like, "Well, you know, it may take them a few minutes to get to get used to you." And kids see me and they're like, "Wow, she's like Christmas. She's a pirate." And they just told me their life. <laughs> Love they told me their life in five minutes. In five minutes, I'm like, I don't want to know all of that about you. <laughs> but okay, thank you. And we're going to work on some things, <laughs> you know. I but uh, I mean, kids love me. Uh, and I always talk real talk. I'm not... One of the big complaints uh, that I hear from them are how their teachers change. And one of the compliments that I got was, you know, I love it that, you know, if you're fussing at us, when our parents come in, mm-hmm. you're still fussing at us. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike our other teachers, when, you know, they're fussing at us, our parents come in and they turn all sweet. You know, that's not real. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> and I might fuss at your parents because it may need to happen. Right. <laughs> you know. You checking um, everybody. That's, that's how it's done. Hello. <laughs> you know, I'm going to curse again. I think that children can smell bullshit a lot quicker than any other, of course. Any other being on the planet. Of course. And I think right. And today they point. know a lot more than we knew, I think. That we, the fact that they've been exposed to different kinds of people and different lifestyles and etc. I think it makes them a better person. That's just, you know, my opinion about it. I think they are. I think when they know that you are on their side, mm-hmm. even though you're the authority figure, mm-hmm. they still feel like they got a chance with you. Mm-hmm. I think they open up in so many ways and it's so, it's so amazing. Yeah. But Teresa, how do we keep up with you, with all your happenings, your CDs, your books, your... Uh, projects that are upcoming. Is there a website that we can just kind of... I'm in the process of updating it. It's Teresa-Davis.com. Okay. Um, and then I am on Facebook. I have a Facebook fan page. And um, on my regular Facebook page, I'm pretty much inappropriate all the time. Okay. Which might be fun for a lot of people. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm also on Reverb Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have a Twitter account, uh, Pirate Rockstar. 
Simon Says actually has its own okay. website. Um, and, you know, my, my schedule is updated there mm-hmm. and all, in all these other places as well. And Teresa is spelled T-H-E-R-E-S-A. Lounge, yes. Teresa Davis. Uh, the yes. website is Teresa-Davis.com being, up, yes. being updated right now as we speak. Awesome. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, Teresa, thank you so much for coming and educating us and, um, you know, sharing your history about, about spoken word and poetry and your passion for life. Uh, sharing your journey with us. We really appreciate it. We um, you. want you to know that you are welcome to come back and, you know, lounge with us any any time you want to. We like listening to poetry while we lay on our pillows. That's what we do here. Hey. <laughs> Please tell your friends, your creative friends, too. Please tell them that this is the platform for spoken word and equality. We want to... Um, uh, their voices to be heard here as well, okay? Okay, and, I will. I'll pass and, it on. Great. And much success and thank to you. thank you so much for having me. Oh, we, we adore you. The pirate and all. I see the, the <laughs> Jamaican bears and I see the pirate. <laughs> <laughs> you are a woman of many faces and I love it. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. This is the Set Lounge with Kieran A. And Teresa, if you could be so kind, can you tell everybody listening that the sound of our voice to breathe it in breathe it in the best place yes breathe it in it's been a while i'm not who i was before 